Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of the tastiest morsels from this week's issue. I'm Anne McElvoy, Senior Editor. And on the menu this week, unpacking the myths of marriage, why working in a tech startup isn't all paradise, and how pollution speeds up homing pigeons. But first, everything's under control was our cover line this week. China's relentless economic expansion in the last decade has finally slowed. The country's stock market is in turmoil again and the effects are being felt from east to west. As doubts grow over the handling of the yuan, the rest of the world looks on with angst. Global markets have fallen by 7.1% since January 1st, their worst start to the year since at least 1970. China's management of its economy is a main factor. Although share prices in China matter little to the real economy, seesawing stocks feed fears among investors that the Communist Party does not have the wisdom to manage the move from Mao to market. And China's melting pot of market and state control makes intervention all the more difficult. A weakening economy, a quasi-fixed exchange rate and more porous capital controls are a volatile combination. Looser monetary policy would boost demand, but it would also weaken the currency. And that prospect has prompted some swift financial ship-jumping. In the last six months of 2015, capital left China at an annualised rate of about $1 trillion. The persistent gap between the official value of the yuan and its price in offshore markets suggests investors expect the government to allow the currency to fall even further in future. The problem is that the expectation of depreciation risks becoming a self-fulfilling loss of confidence. Are we witnessing a global crisis of confidence in marriage too? It seems couples these days are increasingly averse to tying the knot. Our international section investigated the consequences. As couples wait longer to marry, and fewer eventually do, the number of countries where more births are out of wedlock than in it has risen to more than 20. Rates across the OECD group of 34 mostly rich countries vary hugely, but overall the average is 39%, more than five times what it was in 1970. Policymakers have tried to slow this descent into wedlessness, but their efforts seem to be in vain. Isabel Sawhill of the Brookings Institution, a think tank, says that a plethora of policies in America, from tweaking incentives in the benefit system to teaching couples how to be better domestic partners, have had little or no effect on marriage rates. As an accompanying box in the section explained, myth and misunderstanding might play their part in the state of union. If you live together like a husband and wife for a number of years, then in the eyes of the law you are married. It is startling how many people in England believe this. Overall, Americans take a similar view, but it's simply not true. In America, family lawyers push the message that living together for seven years, or any amount of time, does not make you a married couple. 
Why so many Americans believe in this seven-year cut-off is mysterious. Optimistic thinking isn't always bad, though. We flipped through to Tanzania, where an article in our Middle East and Africa section took a look at a popular hashtag. With his campaign slogan, Work and Nothing Else, you might think John Magufuli, Tanzania's new president, would be a poor subject for satire. But austerity, it seems, can bring its own brand of humour. In his first few weeks, the new president cancelled Independence Day celebrations, went litter-picking and turned up at the Ministry of Finance to make sure staff were actually coming to work. And thus a hashtag was born on Twitter. What would Magafuli do? Full of pictures of money-saving ideas. A wooden cart acting as a wedding limousine. A vanity mirror attached with duct tape to a car to replace a broken wing mirror. If this flurry of online activity sounds frivolous, its influence is strengthening. In Tanzania's recent election, over 60% of eligible voters were under the age of 35. Almost all sub-Saharan African societies are as young. In countries where age is revered, social media allow young people to make themselves heard. Glancing to our business section now, the news is full of tales of glamorous employment with tech startups. But our Schumpeter columnist dug a little deeper and found that software companies can be rather brutal. They can gorge themselves on free food cooked by Cordon Bleu chefs. They can snooze in nap pods or, if they feel more energetic, work out in on-site gyms or take yoga classes. There are dry cleaners on the premises to do their laundry and buses to ferry them to and from work. Not to be sniffed at. As companies battle for the best brains, a pay-in-perks arms race is underway. The biggest companies are building awe-inspiring headquarters. Apple's spaceship, designed by Norman Foster, will cover 2.8 million square feet. That's 260,000 square metres. And Google's new offices will sit under a vast translucent dome. Yet behind such grandiose facades might a more subtle sentiment be brewing. Our columnist pointed to a survey last year which found that in some companies... Only 19% of tech employees said they were happy in their jobs and only 17% said they felt valued in their work. So free dry cleaning and a free lunch doesn't quite cut it? Tech firms that offer lavish perks to their staff do not do so out of the goodness of their hearts. They offer them because they expect people to work so hard that they will not have time for such mundane things as buying lunch or popping to the dry cleaners. And the icing on the cake? A lair of cruel fortune. Tech startups typically attract talent by offering shares. Employees work like dogs in return for supposedly making a fortune when the firm goes public. But if the firm goes down in flames, there won't be much to share around. Then again, a gamble can sometimes pay off. And that must be the reason so many people were lining the streets of America, queuing for tickets for Powerball, a lottery with a jackpot this week of $1.6 billion. As an article in our finance section explained, the prize may be large, but the chances of winning are, well, dismal. Buying a lottery ticket is fun, but financially foolish. A punter buying a Powerball ticket has a 1 in 292 million chance of winning the jackpot. A little perspective might send the message home. Buyers are around four times more likely to be killed by an asteroid impact this year. Lotteries are designed to be a bad deal, hoovering up participants' money in order to plug state budgets and fund good causes. 
and the game designers are improving their seduction techniques. One easy trick is to make the jackpot seem bigger than it is. The sums advertised by Powerball represented the pre-tax value over 29 years of an annuity that winners can opt to receive. If the winners choose a lump sum instead, they get just over 60% of that, on which they would have to pay tax of at least 40%. Smoke and mirrors can cloud the judgement then, but do they give a boost to our avian companions? Drifting over to our science section, we explore the effects of smoke and pollution on birds in a piece reporting research studying the results of homing pigeon competitions. Of the 1,591 pigeons released in the races the team analysed, 715 made it home. This 45% return rate remained the same regardless of whether the air was thick with pollution or not. But listen to what happened when they looked at the time it took the pigeons to return to their lofts. When the sky was a thick soup of noxious smog with an air quality index of 500, pigeons returned home at an average speed of 68.2 kilometres per hour. By contrast, when the index value was zero and the air pure, the birds flew at only 55.6 kph. Anxious to get out of the smog, and who can blame them? But there was another theory. Thick clouds of haze make it nearly impossible to detect predators, and pigeons may not be smart enough to understand that this lack of visibility works the other way around too. Another time to remain extra vigilant is in the midst of a major manhunt. That must be tumbling around in the head of Mexico's most notorious drug baron, El Chapo. After escaping from prison last year, he took a gamble and contacted some celebrity connections. But things didn't go quite to plan, as a piece in our America section described. On the evidence of Sean Penn's interview with him, published in Rolling Stone magazine, Joaquin Guzman, Mexico's most successful exporter of narcotics to the United States, is not a thoughtful man. If he were, he would reflect on the many ironies that attend his recapture on January 8th after two escapes in 15 years from high-security prisons. Like many in the spotlight these days, Mr Guzman simply wanted to tell his side of the story. Which is why, in October, he met Mr Penn, a Hollywood actor, in his jungle hideout in Mexico's drug-producing Golden Triangle. To be fair, his slippery history does read like a Hollywood thriller. His first escape in 2001 was reportedly in a prison laundry cart. His second, in July 2015, was through a mile-long tunnel built by engineers whom he had sent to Germany to learn the craft. But hubris tripped him up as his communications led Mexico's authorities to his position. Five of his henchmen were killed in a shootout with Marines. Mr Guzman fled the fight through another tunnel, but was apprehended on the town's outskirts. That will make for an even better movie. A tunnel too far, perhaps. I am quite legitimately out of here. I'm Anne McElvoy, that was our tasting menu, and if you're hungry for more, you can find all of our stories on our website at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.